Hey, I'm Lloyd. Welcome to the Creator Hub for the Culture. Every week, we share content to help you level up on your journey as a creator. This episode, our guest is Courtney Futch. She's the host of the podcast with love and butter. It's a chef's take on dating and relationships combined with food and drinks. Courtney is amazing. She has about 70,000 followers on TikTok, 30,000 followers on Instagram. She's been a friend of mine for quite a while, so it was amazing to meet her in person. We spoke about everything from how she got into creating content to brand deals and how creators can focus on growing their channels. In just a moment, we'll dive right in. The number one question I get the most is how do I make money from my podcast? The second question I get the most is how do I record a video podcast virtually? And I always tell people what works for me. What if I told you that there was a tool that would allow you to effortlessly record and edit your podcast all while using AI? Riverside is a podcast recording platform that will even let you edit your podcast using the transcript of your podcast so you literally don't have to be an audio expert to edit your podcast. I have a 15% off discount code for you to see for yourself. You can check out the show notes to find the link. Recording a podcast virtually has never been this easy. If you've been following my content for a while now, you know that I only have one piece of advice for aspiring creators. Just start. Like literally now. Well, once you get started and you get going, you'll reach a point where the next logical step is investing in your business. This may be equipment or a course or even traveling to create some content. The only challenge is funding from banks is so challenging, especially as creators. This is where Juice Club saves the day. Juice Club is a super cool members-only community designed to help creators like you and me take our businesses to the next level. One of the many perks they provide is short-term, flexible funding on your terms. There are different funding options for creators at different stages, and you always stay in total control of your content. I'm dropping a link in the show notes. Please check them out. Yeah. Um, I, I ran across your, you were featured in a profile by, by Glamour. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I thought is you've been getting money for a long time. Cause that was like three years ago yeah. and that was really impressive. And so we're going to talk about that too, okay. but I want to start at like the very beginning. I feel like now I look at you as like a creator that I look up to a creator that has figured out a lot of the things that some of the smaller creators are trying to figure out, like Mm -hmm. how to build community, um, finding your space, your voice, your tone online. But I want to start by like how, at what point did you go from like, Hey, I'm posting content online just because I want to share for my friends. So I think this could be like a side hustle or like a real second gig for me. Yeah. It's such an interesting thing because I, um, Okay, I should I should give a little bit of context about how my career in food like even started. But um, I've been baking and cooking for as long as I can remember. And both of my well, uh, uh, mostly mom is an incredible chef and baker, (laughs) right? Dad can throw down a little bit. He makes a thing here or there. Um, But I've been surrounded by incredible food like my whole life. And so when I started to get a little older, I joined culinary team in high school. Um, I was baking and doing all those things on the side. And so I've kind of always had like the through line of a side hustle. And it was always around food. But um, I get to college and I'm broke. 
like so many other college students. And I've got this skill in my back pocket and I've got $6.14 in my bank account. And I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. We're going to find a way to get this money by tomorrow. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so um, I start selling baked goods and, you know, it just kind of like blows up. I shift from selling to students to selling to parents because I know the students have the same problem I do, which is you don't have any money. So selling to parents started to make the most sense, which means I needed to create a community of parents who was willing to listen to me and advocate for me um, and, you know, ultimately buy from me. So building that trust intergenerationally, I think was like a very cool um, first challenge to kind of do. And I really had to start like honing my storytelling skills. And that was... I don't know. I must have been a sophomore or junior in college at that point. So still pretty young. Sure. But I was able to make that work. And those sales kind of, you know, started to boom. I leave college and um, my mom is like, I'd been saying forever that I wanted to go to culinary school after college. And um, I got offered a master's program like from my school. And they were like, hey, like, do you want to join this master's like under a fellowship program? I was like, hell yeah, you know, I do. If you're going to send me for free, I'm going to take that free. You (laughs) know what I mean? So that's what I do. I was like, I still want to go to culinary school, though. So I started a culinary school program after I finished my master's. I've now moved to New York. Um, I'm working in corporate at a PR firm. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Okay. I am like, I I need to do anything I can to get back to food. I'm applying for every food job in the world that there is. I do end up getting another job. At the same time, I'm like, okay, now is the time for me to start culinary school. Maybe they'll pay for it. Like, I don't know. But, like, this feels like a good time. I start the culinary school journey. It's very Eurocentric. Looking at the camera, I want to say it's a very Eurocentric uh, learning experience. Yeah, and I felt like there was just no space for me in it. Yeah. There was not a lot of conversation being held, like um, in um, the mainstream about the diaspora mm-hmm. and diasporic cooking yet, um, and especially not in like the upper echelons of the culinary schools. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm in school for a month and a half. I leave. Wow. So my decision was I'm going to learn how to be the best sort of chef that I can be. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just going to throw these dinner parties and let people tell me where I fucked it up or where I got it right. Right. And so that's what I was doing. Um, So I would go online and learn techniques and then like take those techniques and then try to execute them across dinners. And so the dinner party started in 2017. In 2018, I move into a new place. It's gigantic. It's the loft that you see in the glamour um, shoot. And, I'm like, I can do so many things in here. Right. I could probably fit like 50 people seated in here. And I could, yeah. I found out. And so I was having these dinner parties and it was just, all of it was proof of concept. I was just mm-hmm. testing things and coming up with themes and doing all the stuff and getting people together. Yeah. And at one point, like ticket prices, I don't know, were like $15. Yeah. Now they're like a hundred minimum if wow. you're going to come to one of my parties. But it was so much fun to just like get people in kind of on the ground of yeah. my experimentation and help them honed me yeah it was huge um and so i had like all of that kind of running in the background all of this interestingly enough i was never in front of the camera for Mm. i was actually many people are going to be surprised by this quite camera shy interesting um i had never been captured on camera in a way that i had liked by anyone particularly not in video for me to ever feel like i wanted to do more of it but i did always feel like i was meant to be in front of the camera And so I just said, like, one of these days it's going to happen. Somebody is probably just going to, like, pluck me from somewhere and put me in front of a camera. And that I think that's how it's going to go. In 2020, that's what happens. So at that time, I'm working at Blue Apron. Mm -hmm. I'm leading their influencer program um, for for content creators. And um, what what does that mean? 
Oh, yeah. So um, so Blue Apron, the meal kit company, and prior to that, I'd worked at HelloFresh, also the meal kit company, but not back-to-back. I did put a year between for the, uh, you know, non-compete. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, I'd also done, like, five other roles maybe in, in marketing. Okay. So I've been at all the, like, major food companies up until this point. It's 2020. I just started the job, and then the pandemic hits. But what's very interesting about it is that I had already taken a great deal of interest in the influencer program, which was not, by the way, the job that I got hired to do. Yeah. I was taking over partnerships like, um, you know how Amex has offers. Um, so you would see like a like a Blue Apron Amex offer or something like uh, that, something card related. Yeah. Um, so that people are incentivized to purchase Blue Apron using that particular like method of payment. Yeah. And then we get a, a cut back and, you know, all the things. Right. So I'm doing that. Uh-huh. And I'm there's a lot of bandwidth that I had. And I'm like, I'm kind of interested in this influencer thing. I think I'd like to take this over. Yeah. And I'd worked with some influencers in the past um, and some larger like chef partnerships. Yeah. But I was like, this would be really, really fun. I'd love to I'd love to do this. And the person who was taking it over had just left. Mm. And I was like, this is a great time. I'm yeah. going to absorb this into my role. So that's what I do. So I'm learning all about like the, the creator economy and all of these things. I'm seeing crazy spend. Yeah. This camera is off. We have to talk about what some of these people are getting paid in 2019. Wow. Like Lloyd, it's truly insane, right? Yeah. So I'm looking at these numbers and I was like, bro, there's money to be made like this outside. That's Boy. crazy. And even when we were doing our major pullbacks and spend, we still had insane amounts of money yeah. to spend. And so that is kind of running in the background of my mind at the same time that the pandemic hits. Yeah. What the pandemic forces me to stop doing is dinner parties. Mm. But what it forces me to start doing it's showing up on camera because I was like, y'all don't know how to cook, Mm. right? Like that's the number one thing y'all ask me in my DMs is like, you do not know how to cook. I'm going to tell you how to cook things based on the things that you have. So I kind of gamified it a little bit. I go on my Instagram stories at that time. It's like the first or second week. I'm like, be kind to yourselves this week because there's a lot going on. But like, if you do not know how to cook and those grocery stores are savage, DM me what you have in your fridge. And I will tell you what you are going to be making for the next couple of days. Yeah. So I was kind of doing like dinner plans for people right. um, digitally. And it was so much fun. And I felt like I was playing around with it so much that I was like, well, I should probably do a couple of videos and tell people what they should make. Mm-hmm. So that's how that was kind of starting in the background. Now, fast or back, back, backtrack um, to early February when Glamour puts out a casting call. Yep. So all this happens pre-pandemic. But the timing of this, Lloyd, is like so crazy. Yeah. So, um... So the pandemic is doing that. These videos are going on. But like in mid-February, one of my friends, Leandra, posts uh, or sends me a post from Glamour's um, casting assistant saying like we're looking for chefs or creatives who are in the New York area who like make above a certain amount and want to share their living space. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got a dope space. So I submit. Could not be more perfectly suited for you (laughs) truly you know and I was like oh my gosh this is so cool so I submitted they get back to me like next day they're like hey how quickly can you shoot I'm like my apartment will be ready in a couple of days like I'm coming back from Syracuse I have this other thing but like yeah like let's do it we record on February 28th yeah it is the first time that I ever see myself in a in a in a production and I've been on video projects before and like you know um uh, all the TRF students at Syracuse would always be like oh can we shoot you for this thing I'm like yeah sure you want to tell the Thundercake story that's cool but it was the first time that like I was just Courtney Futch yeah and then I had some other cool things that I was doing as opposed to like it being Thundercakes right right by Courtney Fudge. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. So I'm seeing myself on camera. I'm like, there are all these insane lights. I've never seen a setup like this. Condé Nast got money. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is so (laughs) crazy. This is so much fun. And um, I was like, wow, I didn't know I looked like this. Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't know I was this charismatic. Yeah. Months go by, and I did not hear anything again from yeah. the Condé Nast team. I'm terrified. I was like, bro, this was awful. They must have hated it. Yeah. They, you know what I mean? Like, I right. wasted everybody's time, whatever. I never hear from them that they have, like, edited the video or done the drop or anything. I just start getting followers on my page, and somebody is finally like, oh, followed you from the Glamour thing. And I wow. have to find out with all these other people. Yeah. And it's already got like its first 10,000 or something like that views. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is going on? So I'm watching the comments and there are a couple of things that are coming up. I uh. promise I'm going to wrap this up soon. But it's so interesting to me because essentially that video told me things about myself yeah. that I was then able to hone in other places. Yeah. My voice being like number one of them. They're like, oh, wow, she seems so calm. And, like, her voice had just has, like, a really cool to me. And I was like, that's so funny because, like, anybody who knows me knows that I just, yeah. right, right, all the time. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay, like, that's so interesting. Or people were like, wow, I really love her creativity or whatever. Yeah. It gave me additional content to start talking about. Right. So it was very, like, happenstance, the yeah. like, the way that I kind of got, like, thrust out there. But what it gave me was um, a focus group almost mm -hmm. immediately of what it was that people saw in me that they yeah. thought was worth sticking around for. Yeah. And all of my content, which up until that point, because it's dropped in May, like right around Mother's Day, mm -hmm. all the content that lived online up until that point was just on my Insta. Yeah. I took it all off of IGTV, mm -hmm. put it on, or I kept it up there, but then also moved it over to YouTube, started yeah. uploading those videos, go under that video. And I'm like, hey guys, I just launched a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll be sharing recipes and whatever. I had my first 2,000 followers in yeah. a month. Wow. That's and I was insane. like, that is insane. No, it was yeah. truly like so insane. So I hit my subscriber count on on YouTube long before Pretty I ever fast, got my yeah. watch hours. Right. I just got my watch hours this year. Wow. That's enough. That's huge. That's three. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like three years of like producing five minute videos. Yeah. They're so brief. I'm, I know that I should be making like 12 minute videos, but I'm not mm -hmm. um, because I'm just like I'm burnt out at that point because right. also it's like I'm creating content. Now I know that I was. Also shooting Chopped, which is a whole thing, and we won't really get into that. But I, Chopped was coming, and I was like, okay, I need, like, a tangible thing for when the eyes are on me. Yeah. I'm writing a cookbook then. Yeah. Like, YouTube didn't feel sticky enough. Yeah. I wasn't looking to count on getting paid from being online in that way yeah. because there wasn't as much language um, or democracy around the creator economy yeah. at that time as there is now. Now right. we are all able to go find that information. Yeah. Some people are a little bit more favored right and like we do understand how the algorithm chooses yeah. favorites um but i was like i don't want to count on that yeah. i need something tangible that people need me in their home yeah um and so i'm really glad that like i shifted so that i could go do that because yeah. the cookbook ended up making a lot of sense for me mm -hmm. so ultimately to answer your question of like at what point did i kind of know um what might be valuable for me in terms of like putting my time in and like yeah going more full-time as a content creator I think that I really didn't start to hone it until maybe 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is when I got on TikTok. And then I started to see the community take shape for real. Yeah. And I, I feel like some people would say that, like, their biggest, like, struggle as, like, a creator is finding their lane or their niche, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sometimes people may look at someone like you or maybe even someone like me as, like, a podcaster and say, like, what you do is kind of, like, easy to say like this is my lane and mm -hmm. space and so i'm curious if you still in like this journey of it all kind of had any trouble figuring out like what the heck do i want to talk about like online or did you just kind of feel like oh like this is what people know me for mm -hmm. this is what i do and then like the glamour thing adds momentum so mm -hmm. it's like self-explanatory 
Yeah, you know, it's very funny. I uh, was just having this conversation with my boyfriend because I asked him all the time when we first started dating, where exactly did you meet me in my internet journey? Yeah. It's low-key terrifying <laughs> sometimes when you think about, like, I've been so many people right. online that you could have met me in 2018 right. when I was still going by Thundercakes, right? Like when people yeah. still knew me as the baker, you could have met me in 2020 through Glamour. And that is a very interesting way to get to know a person, right? Finance first. Right. Very interesting. Um, or you could have met me in like 2021 post chop. Like there were a lot of different ways that you could have come across me. Yeah. The thing that I decided to do when I got on TikTok specifically, which was very interesting, I was kind of a blank slate of a person. Mm -hmm. So nobody really knew me from anywhere over there because it gives you a much larger audience to talk to. Right. I had a lot of like thoughts on dating. Yep. And I started talking about dating. Because I was in a dating season, food was not interesting to me to talk about over there. Yeah. Because I knew if I started talking about food, people were gonna ask me for them damn recipes. Have you ever seen underneath like a food blogger's like post, and it's just recipe question mark yeah. recipe question mark? Hey girl, this looks good. Recipe question mark <laughs> recipe please. Two exclamation points. Like that's what they do right. to you. I did not want to pigeonhole myself like that because uh, I really struggled with the administrative function of having to write recipes. I'm a storyteller, so I really do not enjoy writing down measurements and lists. Yeah. And so it did not make sense for me to want to start a platform based on that yeah. and never be known as Courtney, mm -hmm. only be known as like recipe question mark, please. Yeah. Sounded like a fever dream. I just, I couldn't participate in it. So when I joined TikTok and like the first thing of mine that I started talking about, which was dating, goes yep. crazily viral. And it's Courtney's prayer, um, mm -hmm. which is me essentially wishing a soft love upon myself yeah. was so wild. And it felt like an instant sort of validation. Yeah. What I found was a community of lover girls. It's very interesting. Like even using that language now feels kind of interesting to do. Because, like, the act of being a lover girl then translates to a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. It can be food. It can be self-care. It can be lifestyle. It can be beauty. It can be a lot of different things. Yeah. But the sentiment, actually, of my audience is very similar yeah. in that we are, like, soft, squishy-feeling people, yeah. humans, uh, men and women, right? Like, a lover girl language obviously is gendered, but, like, the like the sentiment around the whole group yeah. is really quite the same. We're just, we're, we're R and B listeners and, you know, we over index in, you know, binging Bridgerton over maybe some other shows. Like there just seems to be like an intense pull yeah. toward, um, toward love and loving. Yeah. And so it made it very easy to build a community around that. Yeah. I didn't start talking about my food until November of last year. I was not even cooking for real. Like I started TikTok in May of 2022 mm -hmm. and then food in November. Mm -hmm. So by that time I'd already had my first 50,000 followers. Everybody yeah. knows me as the girl who sits in her car in the Starbucks parking lot and talks shit. Yeah. That's what I do. I talk shit about dating life. I'm like, oh, have y'all seen <laughs> Sweet Potato Pie Gate? Here's some nuance around right. this. Right. Or here are my thoughts as I'm navigating dating in XYZ way. And so that is what people knew me for. Yeah. Um, and then I introduced another layer and they yeah. were like, oh, that's so crazy. I didn't know that you did that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that was kind of the point, right? right? right. By accident, but yeah. not. Yeah. Um, and so when eventually it was like, okay, and now I have to move y'all off of this platform right. and into something else. If I'm going to keep talking about the food and all the other things, and if I'm going to be so much online, yeah. 
there has to be a home for it. Yeah. And um, you see all the time people get deplatformed, people get blocked, um, you know, working with influencers, people get canceled. I, I cannot begin to tell you how many people we've had to pull brand deals from yeah. during my time at BA. Um, and so it was just like a very interesting sort of thing. I'm like, all this yeah. is so uh, shiny and new yeah. that if you're not careful, you end up getting caught up yeah. and um, and then you're stuck. And that sounded like a nightmare. And after I got blocked that one time on TikTok Live for <laughs> talking reckless, yeah. I was like, well, let me, you know what I mean? Let me put, push the people over to something else that'll yeah. hold and will be mine. Um, so, yeah. Do you, do you think about, like, your content creator journey as, like, a business in the sense that, like, sometimes I, I hate the idea of, like, brands and feeling like one entity has that much power that I'm literally, like, sometimes – I like I will not say a public opinion if I know like this brand is gonna see it and that's gonna mess up my bag in some mm. ways. And I like I hate that, but I kind of feel like I have to do it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, how do you think about that? Because like with TikTok, I know especially with you, like you go live a lot. Mm -hmm. Like that's like a big chunk of what you do, and it mm -hmm. may require some like intentionality in what you do right. and say. Like, how do you think about that? Right. I feel like I do not want to move around my world censored in general which is why I think I have not pursued the brand deal route as much. Yep. One, I didn't have the bandwidth to um, to effectively give deliverables back, mm -hmm. which was like my biggest thing. I was like, I don't want to start holding myself accountable to brands and like knowing that I'm not going to be able to give them good content. They pay for my best. Yep. I owe them my best. Yep. I don't have the headspace to give best right now. I yep. can give a couple really good things in some good spaces, but like to have to – need to give that back to them just sounded very stressful for me. Yeah. So I haven't pursued like brands or sponsorships in a serious sort of way at all. If one comes and I'm like, cool, it's more of like a long-term collaboration. Great. Yeah. Because I want it to feel organic to my audience because they're very sensitive. Yeah. Audience is very sensitive to when they're being sold to. Yeah. So it would have to be something that makes sense. My audience asked me about four things in particular all the time. It's the gold shelf in my bathroom which now has its own TikTok account. I did not make it. Um, I do not know who Goldie, I call them Goldie, wow. but it's at Courtney's Gold Shelf. Like, it's such a funny thing, the things that pe people will pick up on. I have yeah. a pair of glasses. Everybody would ask me about that all the time. That is where I think it makes sense for me to put a lot of my energy. People are always asking what drink I'm drinking when I'm on live. Mm -hmm. Liquor deals make sense, yeah. right? Um, home goods, not home goods, the brand, but well, also home goods, hey. I know. Um, but home goods, like as a as a uh, subject, right, yeah. I think are very interesting to people because everybody wants to see how people's homes are decorated out of curiosity. Yeah. But I've sold so many of that shelf when I found it and was able to put it on my wow. Amazon storefront. It's crazy. Yeah. It's quite crazy, yeah. right? Over 25 of them have been sold. Wow. It's a hundred something dollar shelf. Jeez. So like, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Zlul glasses would make a lot of sense. Like there are things that like make sense for my audience yeah. because they fit my lifestyle very well. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, I think I try not, my best not to tiptoe. Mm. I think that I don't say a lot of inflammatory things to begin with. I think I say some out of pocket things, yeah. right? Um, particularly when I'm talking about my dating life, but I think that's also what helps people to connect. Yeah. If I'm able to translate those people into paid subscribers on the newsletter, right. I don't really give too many fucks about the brand right. side, right? Um, brands are fickle. Yeah. You get people in a community and they love you. They will invest in everything that, right. that you put forth when they have the ability to do so because yeah. of how you make them feel. So I'd like to figure out, like, what that balance actually is when yeah. I go to, like, start formally pitching, which I will soon. Yeah. Um, but for now, I really wanted to focus on a community of people before yeah. ever giving them a product to buy. 
that's like a, a perfect like the word community and i think the way in which you lead yours is just like it's aspirational and i feel like i think you have 70k on tiktok mm -hmm. 30k on, on ig and when i'm in your lives sometimes these people ride hard they they're, go ham for me yeah they're in next level yeah and i i love that like it's it's like i think every creator dreams about that and having like not just like a, a large number of followers but knowing that like you know these followers not only like love the content they they in in your scenario they almost genuinely feel like your friends yeah. like why why do you think that is like how did that happen i cared to know them they matter to me like a lot and i'm i'm feeling some emotion come up and that's crazy but i know their names I know their name from their username. Yeah. So if I see somebody like join the chat, I'm like, oh, hey, so and so. Yeah. And it is um, not just, and it's not like a performative thing. But the thing that's been interesting to me, and like, and I'm really big on, I'm not just going to be sitting here. If I'm going to spend hours on live, I'm not just calling you by your damn username. Yeah. I It's one, offensive to me, right? To like be engaging in this weird sort of parasocial dynamic with you yeah. when I know there's a real human on the other side. I'd rather use your name if you feel comfortable sharing it. Right. And I feel like that's gone such lengths to make people feel comfortable in these spaces. So when they join, I, one, I say hey to them. Yeah. And then two, I call them by their name. Yeah. And then three, I remember the things that they share with me, right? So like I've got one follower who has been healing from a sprained ankle mm. for the last like two months and has been in a boot. Yeah. Every time she joins a live, I'm like, Rax girl, how's your boot? Like, how are you feeling? You walking around yet? You back outside? What's going on? Right. And so my uh, memory one is very helpful for me because I do have a very long memory. Yeah. Um, but two, I think the decision to not treat them like numbers and treat them like real people and encourage them to DM me if there's something that's on their mind or they're in a dating situation. And they're yeah. like, girl, I don't know what to do about XYZ. I'm like, girl, send me a voice note. Yeah. And on Instagram, though, and I, I promise you I will get back to you. And, like, we go back and forth. So I've, um, while I'm hyper-visible, I feel like I'm also really accessible. Yeah. Um, and approachable, which I feel like is the bigger thing. So even when I'm not accessible to folks, I am approachable to them. Mm. I get approached all the time in real life. And if somebody is like, oh, hey, I'm so-and-so from TikTok, I'm like, oh, my God, hey, girl. And I will drop everything I'm doing and give right. them a hug. Right. Um, and so I'm never too cool yeah. to not love on the people who are loving on me. Yeah. And I feel like that's so important. The other thing is because I started doing lives just about as early as I got on TikTok, mm. I've kind of grown with the lives, yeah. which is very interesting. So there are people who started putting their notifications on for it early. Mm. I don't want the gifts. I'm not in it for the little, you know what I mean, the roses and the things. That, that's not why I do it. I, yeah. I make like 12 cents in a lab. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like $30, and I'm like, that's cool too, but I'm, I'm never expecting that. Yeah. I just go in. I tell a story. I talk to the people. I ask them how they're doing, what you up to. I do something else, and this is the thing. If you're going on live, y'all, this is just advice in general. There are some people who come on live, and they're just talking about stuff. There are other people who come on live and they're doing something else. If you were nervous about going on live and starting to build your community, go on live and be doing something else while you're also talking to the camera. Yeah. Um, the first live I ever did, I was unpacking my 200 or more pieces of glassware from yeah. my move. And those people have just traveled with me yeah. everywhere since. So I think that's like a big part of it is just get invested in knowing who your community is too. Yeah. The reason why I'm able to tell you what sort sort of shows they like um, or what sort of audience they are or what their soft, squishy feelings are is because we talk. Yeah. Yeah. I I, um, I love that. And I love how specific you are with, like, how to build community. Because I think sometimes some people feel like I would love to go live. But when I go live, no one shows up. So, therefore, like, I don't go live. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think based on what you're saying that, like, if someone like myself, for instance, wanted to go live, 
I think that doing something else while I'm on live would take away some of that awkwardness of maybe like there not being like a lot of people, but mm -hmm. as people do come in, just sort of giving them the attention mm -hmm. to make them feel seen. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really appreciate you breaking it down that way. Yeah. Um, I feel like one of the most common like trends I've seen sort of in like your online journey is all of these updates that come along with like the dates that you're going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that it almost became like a really cool, uh, uh, story, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, the podcast has come out of that. But can you talk to me about where that idea came from and just sort of like how it's evolved? Yeah. Um, so I think that at some point, so I sh I'll backtrack here. Um, in my close friends on Instagram, I was talking about my dating life in, in quite vivid detail, right? Um, salacious even. Um, and I was having a great time with it. It was really very fun. And also they they got to, um, it was a community of about 40 folks, right? Mm -hmm. You keep hearing me use the word community, but even that space, because it's so intimate, start mm -hmm. practicing there yeah, um, and start to get comfortable, I think, building that camera presence, which was another thing for me that I think was really helpful and allowed me to translate it over into TikTok yeah. very well, quite or a little bit more seamlessly, rather. Yeah. So um, when I was, like, telling those dating stories, I decided that a podcast would likely come from that mm -hmm. as opposed to the podcast evolving from TikTok. Right. But I wasn't sure what direction I was necessarily going to take with it. And I was like, well, chronologically, I've kind of had these dating stories. I'm a storyteller. This is what I do. I've always said I was going to maybe write a book about it. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that is how I'll kind of approach this. Yeah. So I would, like, weave things from the podcast or, like, lessons that I was learning or things that I'd already written into TikToks yeah. or do the reverse. Yeah. So something on TikTok might interest me and it would prompt something that would then go on into the podcast. And I do think that it was important for them to kind of hold the same type of space. Yeah. But the clarity that comes in the podcast is something that maybe not everybody has the attention span for. Yeah. So just the TikToks had to kind of be kind of like short and concise and like, hey, I'm downloading this thought yeah. and I'm washing my face while I do it. But I want y'all to hear what I'm thinking about because the podcast is pre-recorded. It is scripted. You know what I mean? I'm scripted in the sense of like I write a full script for it because, you know, the girl got ADHD <laughs> and I'm kind of long winded. Um, so if I don't like keep it to what's on the page, yep. that story could take on a million different forms. Right. I can't I can't edit all that. You yep. know what I mean? That's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so I think like I had to find the balance of I do a lot more of my intimate sharing in the podcast because I still I don't that part I like I don't see who's watching it. Right, right. I don't know who's listening to it. Yeah. People might come back and tell me or they might not ever. Right. I just kind of see the reviews and I'm like, okay, cool. Like people are listening and yeah. that's nice to know, but it lives a little bit more in a void for me. Yeah. And I like that. In TikTok, I can share a short, intimate thought and it goes where it goes, but I can still see who's engaging with it yeah. and then figure out how I might need to explain things further or um, provide some additional context for it. So they really do serve different purposes, but the storytelling piece and how I kind of came up with it was just, I, there was other stuff at some point I wanted to show people I was doing in my life. Yeah. And, but I knew that they wanted to hear stories from me. I felt like I had to like layer what was going on and what I wanted to talk about with what I wanted to show people mm. and what it meant for me as like a person who is returning. Yeah. Um, I say all the time, like I am a woman on her way back to herself, mm. but not arriving at any one place. Yeah. And the return to me has meant that I've had to kind of multitask, yeah. which is telling one story while doing something entirely different yeah. um, and seeing how to make them overlay. And so I think that that's been working really well 
those have been my most viral of my videos uh, over the last like six months or so. Yeah. And the thing about that is they also require a lot more energy. Yeah. Because they're so intimate. Um, so I can't just be spinning them up every single day. I don't have any intention of becoming a creator who is constantly leveraging stories that are so personal yeah. for views. Um, if I get the views for them, that's great. And if they don't happen that way, then that's fine. But I don't want to get to the point where I'm manufacturing things. Yeah. It starts to feel inflammatory and it feels a little dishonest to me mm. for my work. Yeah. I, I feel like one of the things that I think you do really well that I think a lot of people know you for is like the level of vulnerability mm. and transparency that you bring to like your TikTok content, especially as you're like going on all these dates and just sort of sharing like, hey, here's what happened. Here's how it affected me. Here's what I thought about it. Um, you're kind of sharing a lot of yourself. Um, and now that you're in a relationship, I feel like you're taking your time and just sort of like even just sharing who your partner is. And I love that. And so I'm just curious, how do you balance what it is like you're going to, how much is too much and how much is not too much? <laughs> that is such a great question, Lloyd, um, for a lot of reasons, because it was the first thing I thought when I met him. Mm. And I'd never considered um, privacy uh, yeah. of somebody that I'd been dating before, largely because when I was in my previous relationships, they're just, th that platform didn't exist. Those platforms didn't exist. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of like in this coming into myself space as I'm doing the dating. Yeah. But now I'm in a relationship and I'm like, okay, I need to be infinitely more mindful, right? Um, so I can't get on live and tell salacious stories, for example, even though they're fun, even though right. that's what the community is there for. And so I had to prep the community too yeah. for a shift. Um, and so I remember saying to them, I don't know what it's going to look like when I start talking about this now. Um, I need y'all to know that, like, I'm silent because I'm enjoying my life. Right, like, right. I needed to let love find me. Yeah. And now I need to sit in that so that I can tell other stories. Yeah. I'm so glad I got here. But it doesn't mean it's a dismissal of where we've all been together. Because you were with yeah. me in the trenches when I was figuring it out and having a hard time and being very vulnerable. And so I feel like I still owe them that vulnerability, yeah. but not pain. Right, right, right. And that is the difference. And I've been so surprised at how many more people have stuck with me, I think, because I cared to explain what was changing and why. Right. Um, and so even now, they're, like, incredibly supportive. They're in the live. They're like, oh, my God, hey, B, that's what we call him for now. Yeah. I'll hard launch that man at some point. You know what I mean? But we're both <laughs> having so much fun with it. Right. The mystery is actually such a hoot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really, really cool. And, like, we're both kind of getting to put on, like, our little creative director hat and, right. like, really just nerd out. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, we are also very public out in the real world. Yeah. So it's remembering that the Internet, these digital spaces – are real spaces. They're yeah. valuable spaces, but they're not the only spaces for yeah. a relationship to live. And so we've been very intentional and meticulous about building community spaces elsewhere. Yeah. And I've been learning a lot through that piece too, but everybody's always curious about like, y'all are still carrying on the soft launch. It's funny now. <laughs> it like, is. It feels it is. like, it feels like an inside joke between yeah. like me and him and all the people who know us. Yeah. And I think that like that makes it so much more enjoyable. I also am like writing a, a newsletter on a guide to soft launching because yeah. it's funny right. and like people enjoy it. You know right. what I mean? So I think that there is like a balance um, yeah. I check in with him a lot. Yeah. And um, usually I'm like, a, I write a thing, I put that thing out into the world. Mm -hmm. Now part of my creative process is if I'm writing a thing and it's about him and mm -hmm. I know exactly how he's going to feel about it, I just send it out. Yeah. But if there's something and I'm like, there's a theme here or there's a something or I want to talk about something or there's something I want to run by you first just to make sure you're good yeah. with the way that I'm talking about you. And it's always loving language. Right. But it can be... 
I think, interesting for someone who's never been loved out loud to the degree of how publicly facing all of my content is yeah. to now be just, like, slammed with adoration. Right. I'm not trying to love bomb this man. Right. I'm talking about what's really going on in our relationship and what that love now looks like. Yeah. And um, I'll sum all this up like this. A girlfriend asked me one day, we, we have very similar life paths. She's younger than me, though, by, like, four or five years. And... She calls me and she's like, Courtney, I just need to know that it ever gets better. Getting to tell my 70,000, like at this point, I've got 100,000 something followers across all my spaces. Getting yeah. to tell people it got better right. is the coolest thing in the world. Right. And not even from like a preachy place of like, you know how people can kind of be online, they get into a relationship, their whole dynamic changes. Yeah. I wasn't interested in doing that. I'm still the same vulnerable, sometimes a little uncomfortable in my own skin girl. Yeah. And now I'm just being well taken care of, and I want to talk about how that gets better, too. Yeah. Um, so it's a really interesting thing to kind of go back and reflect on, and I think that people are receiving it in the earnest way that I mean it, yeah. which is not to brag or to hold it over anyone, um, and certainly not to put him on a pedestal, right? Yeah. Because it's also very reflective of the work that I've done. Yeah. So this is really mostly about me and just, like, getting to a place of letting it be okay yeah. that things were really shitty at one point, right. and now they're not, right. and we're going to celebrate both. Right, and I love that, and you don't always get to see both sides in that way, so I, I really appreciate that. I'm such a romantic that I'm I'm so happy for you. It's just like words can't describe it, and I I was listening to your season finale and got to see some of the um the letter you were reading, and I just, I love that I think as, like, discouraging as, like, social media can be, like, I think being able to follow people and connect with people that get to show you, like, both sides, not just, like, the lows, but also, like, the highs mm -hmm. is, like, so encouraging. And I feel like you do such, like, a great job of that. Um, I I just have, like, two more last questions okay. for you. And I, I feel like one of the things that I love that you do really well is you sort of, some creators feel like they are dependent on their audience to figure out what they should be doing. Mm. Um, and so even with this idea not to share like the person you're dating, I think some people would say like, hey, like how will my audience feel about that? Should I or should I not do it? And I love the fact that you're just saying like, hey, what do I need right now? And that's what I'll do. And if you stay cool, if not cool. Mm -hmm. And I feel like just from like watching you do that, there's like so much that like I've learned in my journey as a creator, even just like, I listened to your season finale episode and I was like, oh my gosh, like she does bi-weekly episodes. Like, why don't I, I need to do that. Like, mm -hmm. I, I seriously need to do that. And I've maybe just felt like I can't do that because I just don't know like how people respond to that, right? And so how do you go about sort of like prioritizing what you need first and just sort of like being okay with like the creative ramifications that come from that? Yeah, I don't know that I believe in creative ramifications. Um, I think that... When you are doing real work, and again, I say real work, and this is not meant to be dismissive of like anything that anybody anywhere has going on. I want to be very clear. Yeah. But when you are doing work that requires you to show up, you get to put parameters around it. So when I was doing cooking content, as an example, if I only want to cook on Sundays, right, how only on Sundays kind of came to be, was that I only had the energy to do it and share it maybe once a month, mm -hmm. and it would happen to fall on a Sunday. Right. You are going to get the best of me on a Sunday, but you might not get it on a Thursday. Right. And I have to let it be okay that you might not get my best on a Thursday. Right. So I will not show up for you on Thursday. I will show up for me on Thursday. Right. And I think that as long as you explain it, right, like there is a, there is a reciprocity in that exchange, right? Yep. Um, and I call it an exchange and not a transaction. I think there are a lot of people who think about 
content creation as something that's purely monetizable. And for them, that is great. But I think for people who are really trying to do like the work, like I will never forget the way that I found you online was looking for podcast tips. And I could not find anybody who looked like me who was doing it. And I followed you to the letter, show notes and everything down to the, down to the landing page that you use. I mean, like literally I went and I, like I did the same thing. It is because I felt like you were putting yourself out there and also trying to encourage people. So we do the same thing, right? But with different niches, with different subject matter. And I feel like when people are really putting themselves into it, you got to give them space so that they can create. Yeah. Um, and so if you explain that to your community, they'll hold room for you to do that. Yeah. I think it's okay. Um, and I think it's okay to make asks of your community, right? Like don't wait until there's something urgent that you need yeah. in order to start asking them for stuff. I always say that like I've been training my audience to purchase from me at some point mm. from the very beginning. Right. There were littler things that they could kind of like buy into. Okay, cool. Hey, if you move over to Instagram, yeah. just move over there. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm my, my cocktail videos are like more over there. Come over there. Yeah. Right. Um, if you move over to my Instagram, then you'll realize that I have a cookbook, little soft, soft training. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, if you enjoy my readings on live, you should join my newsletter. And if you feel like it, you can subscribe for $8 a month, right? Like, they're lower investments for people to get into. But I'm asking them to do stuff. I'm asking them to sit with me in live. That's completely free. Right. A young lady DM'd me the other day. This, like, literally made me cry. She just graduated. Um, she just finished her degree at 27, right? So she went back to school. And she was like, your lives helped me study. Wow. That's the exchange. It's not a transaction. Yeah. It's an exchange. We're exchanging time with each other. Right. Um, so I feel like if you think about it from that perspective, you get to ask your community to hold a little room for you to make a better newsletter if it takes you two weeks. Right. You're improving, yeah. and they benefit from those improvements. And particularly for content creators who are trying to figure out how to monetize that piece, yeah. start smallly, smallly is not a word, but like in smaller ways, start asking them yeah. for things. And it will help them to build trust. People always talk about, there's a book, I can't remember it now, but one of the best ways to build trust with someone is to ask them to do something for you. Mm. And gosh, I really wish I could remember it now. Um, but it's it's just, it, it shows that you care enough yep. to ask someone to participate in the doing of a thing with you, right? I am constantly making tiny requests of my audience. Yeah. Hey guys, can I get a time check in the live? I need to leave here in five minutes. Mm. Right. Um, oh, shoot. It's 1145 and 15 comments will flood in. Girl, it's 1145. Don't you got to go? Yeah. <laughs> right. Those are the little things. But that's the way that you start to like curry that favor yeah. in a community. And then when I drop a hundred dollar ticket to a cocktail class, yeah. there are no blinks right. because we've been training that muscle. Right. Um, so it's not about the buying. It's about the exchanging. It's about like what we give to each other yeah. and being transparent. in the fact that like I, too, have needs. I don't just endlessly create content in a void. Yeah. Um, I there's dollars and cents attached to my bills, right? right? To the way I live my life, to be able to share my life. Mama got to make some money. Right. Um, and so I think that that's really kind of been been the balance is asking them for things in smaller spaces when you don't need anything from them yeah. Um, so that they feel empowered to help you. And then they will continue because now they're invested. Wow, I love that. Um, Courtney, thank you so much for joining me. Like, where can people find you? You can find me everywhere online at uh, Courtney Futch, just pretty much. Um, but also on my uh, podcast and newsletter, which is with love and butter. Um, so feel free to follow it on Substack, the newsy. It's a great newsy. I do weekly writings mostly. Sometimes I don't, 
You know what I mean? And we're <laughs> grateful for the people who stay. Right. Um, so, yeah, you can find me everywhere online, either at Courtney Futch or the With Love and Butter pod. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye.